Welcome to the show. I'm Chris. I'm here with Alex Navarro and our host with the most, Peter Marchiafava. And you're up against the whole Hello and welcome to the hard cap. Today we're going to be discussing uh, Jonas and exactly what he's been doing in these finals and over his entire career. We're going to be going over some NFL offseason moves today as well as our very first NBA bust draft. We've also got, of course, the trivia question of the week and our listener mail. But first, gentlemen, we've had something interesting happen this week, and uh, I just want Chris to talk about it real quick. Chris, can you can you let us know what's going on uh, in the Blackhawks world right now? I would love to. Is, is there any way that somebody could play me like some sad music to just help me hone in on my feelings right now? Because so, everybody hurts. That's perfect. That's the right song for this one. No, oh, Duncan Keith was traded. Um, you know, after a, a full career uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks, Duncan Keith has been traded to the Edmonton Oilers. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he was, Duncan Keith was not just a member of the Chicago Blackhawks team that brought the excitement of hockey back to Chicago. He was one of the heroes and perhaps eventual legends that we will look back on. He'll always be remembered with the names of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, Patrick Sharp, Marion Hosa, Brent Seabrook. The list goes on and on. But what made him special? What set him apart? His impact on the franchise was huge, but his individual accomplishments, some people don't even realize what he did, right? So he came into the league in 2002. He was drafted, get this, 54th. Overall, 54th. Yet he has been named one of the top 100 best NHL players of all time. Drafted 54th overall in 2002. He has four all-star appearances under his belt. He has two gold medals that he won with Canada in the Olympics. He's a Stanley Cup champion three times over in 2010, 2013, 2015. He won the Norris Trophy twice, which is the award given to the top defenseman in the NHL. He did that in 2010 and 2014. And he was the Conn Smythe Trophy winner in 2015, which that is the MVP of the NHL playoffs. To recap what went down this week, he was traded to Edmonton for a third-round pick and Caleb Jones. Now, Caleb Jones is 24 years old and a replacement-level defenseman. But Duncan Keith was 38. And as it stands right now, Caleb Jones might be a better fit on this younger Blackhawks team as they continue to transition away from the legends that we knew that got us by the last decade and made it so exciting into a younger team. But the biggest piece here is that there is no salary owed of his current contract by the Chicago Blackhawks. So thank you, Duncan Keith. You will be missed. And I hope your time with the Edmonton Oilers is full of losing and go Hawks. 
We're going to miss Go Go Hawks. I, I'm actually really excited to possibly see Popeye Jones come to Chicago. Uh, I'm not sure. You guys know this, that uh, Caleb Jones is the son of Popeye Jones. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see that. Um, I heard one of the reasons, too, that we we kind of made this trade is because uh, is it Seth Jones? Yes. Is is going to be a free agent pretty soon, and he's the better better player of the two. He so is. He's really we, good, and, and they're hoping to, to lure him in by having his brother here. I'm I'm hoping that works. I'm hoping that works. But uh, but yeah, Popeye Jones, uh, great uh, old school player. Looking forward to it. Can anybody do the Popeye laugh? Because I would love to hear a Popeye laugh. No, that's that too bad. Not in my <laughs> there it is. Way to come through, buddy. Way to come through. Well played. Well played indeed. Yeah, man. I the the thing about Duncan Keith. Um, I understand that he's very much a a Chelios type player where he just kind of kept getting better as he got older. And from what I understand, he's not anywhere near retiring right now. Is that correct? Like, he's still kind of doing his yeah, thing? he's still got a lot of game left in him. I mean, you think about it, You mentioned Chelios. Chelios played till he was 48. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we remember him from the Blackhawks for nine seasons, but, but he actually played 10 more years in Detroit, of all places. I know. Not it's not the worst. Jerk. And he's, he's from Chicago, hated Detroit, yeah. and he had a trade into that. He cried. He made me cry. I wasn't even a hockey fan, and he made me cry when he was leaving. Yeah, that was emotional. <laughs> it was rough. That yeah. one was definitely rough. But no, those those guys. I mean, they're they're not they're generational talents, and you don't run across those type of guys that often. So to be able to get lucky with, you know, Duncan Keith, fifty fourth overall in two thousand two, and have him, you know, just be a, a staple of the organization for so many years was awesome, mm-hmm. and we were very very lucky. You know, as a as a Hawks fan, to be able to watch him be a part of that team and see them finally come through and win some some cups, um, that felt so good at a time when, like, you know, we needed it coming out of the dark ages where, you know, Hawks ownership did not allow games to be on TV because they their mindset was, well, we'll get more people at Chicago Stadium or the yep. United Center if it's not on TV. But that's a backwards line of thinking. So when uh, Wurtz's son, Rocky, took over the team, really changed things around and and made it a lot more fan friendly, which which brought people back to hockey. And so as a kid, I remember I I got to go to one game and being able to go to a game was really cool. It was really unique and special, but I wasn't able to hang on to it and watch them as time went on. So um, the the time frame between 2009 um, and and you know, a, a couple of years ago, um, where I, when I still lived in Illinois and could still get the games was a really, really good time for me. I enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah. I mean, best of luck to him. I know he's going, uh, he wanted to be traded to be closer to his son. So, uh, definitely have respect for that, but it, it, it isn't the end of an era. Um, how, how old are Taves and, and Kane is, is it really coming to a close where they're about, you know, uh, in their mid thirties too, or, where are they at? You know, I, I can't remember their exact age. Let me look it up. So, so Taves is 33. Um, and Patrick Kane. He's, he's is 32. Younger. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's he, I mean, they he's were drafted a year apart. I just couldn't remember yeah. if, if Kane was a little, was, was two years younger or one year younger. So 33 and 32. Gotcha. But, you know, I mean, Duncan uh, Keith was definitely a big piece of it. So I, it seems like they can still do things with uh, Caves and Tains. They can kind of build around them and, and put more pieces together. Caves and Tains? 
<laughs> you going some cave, caves and tanks? Keen, keen. I love cake. their chicken sandwiches. There yeah. But but uh it seems like what they have like about a five year window to do so and then and then that's that's pretty much done. Is that does that sound about right? You know, I, I don't know. They're they're retooling the team uh and have been for the last couple of years. They're bringing in some good young talent. It's it only you know, it honestly, man, only time will tell. Um a lot of things changed when uh they got Coach Q out of there. Um so, you know, it's it's hard to say when you get young players like like they're doing right now and they're they're mixing them in with the older guys on paper. That sounds like it's going to go really, really well. But once they get on the ice, it's hard to tell. So um, last year I started to see some some signs of life uh, from that team. And I thought, you know, they might make a run, uh, but fizzled out toward the end of the year. The true test is going to be this season, because I think if if Taves and Kane They've still got some some bite left in them. If they can rally everybody this year and get the best out of these young players um, this season, they might make a run in the playoffs. I don't think they'll win a Stanley Cup this year, but I do think that they can make a run in the playoffs. Um, so we'll see. You know, what, what I love about hockey, though, is that you know even the the underdog has every bit of chance to make a run in the playoffs as, as any other team. So that's it. It, it kind of uh, you know. The, it's just kind of it's kind of an even playing field in hockey, which I love. Like it's it, it's very unexpected. Whoever wins uh sometimes uh, whoever wins a you know a uh, Stanley Cup. So, um, but yeah, I mean, well, I'm excited to see what happens. Sorry to hear him. Sorry to hear that he's gone, but uh, it's uh, it had to come to an end at some point, right? It did, and if you can actually get some value out of it, then great. Um, it it's sad though. It is sad because we all got attached to Duncan and Keith, but still. Got to do what you got to do to to keep the organization moving forward. And as you said, if this means that they're going to bring in another piece that they're they're hopefully uh, after, then you got to make some strategic moves sometimes. And that's what this was. Agreed. I mean, sometimes you just got to think about the business before the person, right, Chris? Think about business. Just say about it, we're, that to, business. we're thinking about business. Well, thank you for that, Chris. All right, and we're back. Game four of the NBA Finals was a memorable one, with the Bucs coming back from behind to even up the series against the Suns. The reason the Bucs have evened this series, and are in this position to begin with, is thanks to a 26-year-old, 6-foot, 11-inch superhero named Giannis Antetokounmpo, also known as the Greek Freak. From his youth selling goods on the streets of Athens and sharing a pair of shoes with his brother Thanasis, to playing on the local Greek youth league team, Palatlitikos, up through the NBA draft and his now impressive and immediate superstardom, Giannis has always been hungry. Now, I, I know we don't know much about his early life, but one of the things that I really, one, one of my favorite stories about Giannis Antetokounmpo is shortly after he came over to the U.S. and started playing basketball, his, his discovery and his immediate love of the smoothie. It's one of those things from that first season of his that just stuck with me. He absolutely, like, he found smoothies to be the greatest things ever, and he just could not get enough of them. And to me, that just kind of shows that, like, he, he's got, like, a, a kid's heart to him. You know, he, he wants to bring everybody together. It feels like he just, he wants to have a good time. Yeah, you know, he came into the NBA when he was 18 years old. He came in as a kid, essentially. Mm -hmm. 
So that, it's not too surprising. And he's he's always been a, a kid at heart. And I love I love his tenacity on the court. I love the way he plays. Um, still young now, right? Is he? He's only about twenty five years old. Twenty six. Twenty six. Twenty six, and already a two time MVP. Uh, bringing his defensive team to player of the year, defensive player of the year, already been getting his team to the NBA finals. He has, he has a lot still ahead of him. Um, I wish, I kind of wish he had left Milwaukee. I, I really wish he had, he had gone to a team and, and, you know, you know, kind of in an era of, of, uh, you know, people going out and creating super teams. I, I do hate that, but I just hate the fact that his talents are kind of, uh, you know, stuck in a team that they really can't put the correct pieces together kind of like with LeBron in Cleveland, they just, they just couldn't get the job done. And I, and I feel for him because, you know, these are his prime years. Uh, but, you know, luckily with, with the, the situation this year in the playoffs, he's able to get his team to the finals. Hopefully he can pull it off, but um, I'm still rooting for your, for Chris Paul, but you know, I, I wouldn't be too upset if, uh, if Giannis does win it. I feel like Chris Middleton might disagree with your opinion. You know, Chris Middleton, he's, People are, are, are saying he's a, a superstar when he plays like a superstar. Nope. Yeah, but he's a very inconsistent. He's a very inconsistent mm-hmm. player. So, um, I, 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 you know, I can't put him at that caliber yet. Um, he is an all-star. I can't deny that. But he's, he's just not uh, a consistent enough player that I would want him as my, my second option. Maybe he's my third, but uh, my second option on the team. He's, he's yeah, not a superstar. I, I agree. But he's still a decent. He's he's a decent player. He's a he's a piece. He's a he's piece a really of a championship team. And exactly. So, and he does a lot of the stuff that Giannis is not able to do as far as right. hitting the jumpers. Like you're not going to have Giannis hitting that last second jumper too often unless he gets it off a rebound or something along those lines. Um, Chris Middleton is going to be taking those shots, and so far this year he's been doing an amazing job. Um, on top of that, when Brooke Lopez has been called upon, Brooke Lopez has delivered. Um, I know they don't need him all the time, especially with Giannis in the game. It's kind of a, uh, you know, redundant to have both of them in there. Um, but, but he's really, especially when, when Giannis was out, he was really just holding that team together. Um, Alex, I think they actually did build a decent team around him. Now, obviously they're not very deep at all. And they're really, they got their thanks to Giannis as well as some well-timed injuries in the playoffs. Um, but one thing to note is that if Giannis does win the championship this year, he will have done it at a younger age than both LeBron and Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not saying much. I mean, we've we got to remember uh, Magic Johnson, I think, run it as a, as a rookie. Um, I mean, obviously, he, he, had, he had come out of uh, uh, Michigan, I think, as a junior. So he was a little bit older. He, was, he wasn't 18. Well, and it also wasn't Magic's team. It was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's team at the time. Right, right. But, uh, I mean, Kareem this Abdul-Jabbar, is although it was... Team. Although it was one game, um, the reason why they won the final game in the NBA Finals was because of Magic Johnson. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was actually injured. Uh, that game uh, that Magic played center. That's a classic. Yeah, exactly. Classic game, classic game. Had a, had a, had a terrific, terrific stats in that game. But, no, obviously, this is a completely different scenario. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I'm not going to ha- get too, too hung up on age. He is, he is doing it as a, at a relatively young, good young age. Uh, we'll see if he can get it done. Uh, but, um, but yeah, others have wanted to, I think maybe even Larry Bird might've wanted a little bit sooner than that. Who knows? But you have to look that up. Alex, what, what, like you mentioned, you know, having, having Giannis on a, on a better team, what team would you have loved to see him on? Like honest question, like where would you have loved to see him, uh, instead of Milwaukee? You know, honestly, um, it's fine if he stays in Milwaukee, the combination that I would love to watch 
is uh, Dame and Giannis together. I, I, I think that would be really fun to see. And I know Dame's getting frustrated uh, with the Blazers. So, um, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to see him move over there, demand a trade. Uh, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, and, you know, maybe if, if uh, the Bucks win, they, they decide not to make too many drastic moves. So they just stick with this team going forward. Who knows? But, um, but we'd love to see Dame and, and Giannis play together. That'd be awesome. I agree with you. I think, you know, if, if they brought in Dame time, wouldn't that uh, mean they'd have to give up some pieces? Um, Cause I mean, not like they're going to have a strong draft position after this year. So what are they going to give up to get Dame? Chris Middleton. Oh, I think Alex was saying to trade Giannis. <laughs> no, no, no. Vice for either way, just to them have, you know, have them play together. It could be Milwaukee, could be uh, in, uh, in Portland. But if, if Milwaukee was to trade, I mean, obviously Chris Middleton would have to be involved. Uh, Drew Holiday would have to be involved. Brooke Lopez, maybe. Um, I, I, I'm fine with trading those pieces as long as you have Dame and you have Giannis. I think that's a team. Uh, that combination scary, scary. I mean, you have the best download player in the game right now and one of the best perimeter shooters uh, of this era. It, it, it would be a scary, scary team. Absolutely. I mean, that team would be downright terrifying. And you're right with Giannis's ability to do pretty much whatever he wants to in the low post, not to mention to be able to drive and get where he wants to. Um, the way that that guy's just been bull rushing the lane this uh, these playoffs, it's it's been amazing to watch. Do you guys feel like that Giannis was a, a little too late? Like if he was uh, if he was born maybe a decade or two earlier, like, you know, in the Shaq era, um, he would probably get, you know, even he'd be even more dominant <laughs> as scary as that sounds than he is now that's a hard question i don't know i mean it could be that it could be the opposite completely it could have been if he would have come into the league too early he wouldn't have been the type of player at his size that teams were looking for because you know they were still you know a decade maybe but you know 15 years ago were they were they looking for a big man his size um they could run like that or were they looking for somebody that could play in the low post i mean his would you guys say his comp would have been kevin garnett true and he's yeah he that's a good much point. bigger build than kevin garnett and i always felt mm-hmm. like kevin garnett kind of settled a little bit too much for that that elbow jumper uh oh that mid-range yeah yeah exactly. the mid-range uh jumper there so so um, a lot more you're right yeah he would have dominated that's for sure because there would have been no big that could have defended him at, at that point i mean we have a few more athletic mm-hmm. bigs but i mean outside of kevin garnett and and with him being i mean you look at kevin garnett's stature when he came in versus Giannis stature that dude is ripped like he looks like he could walk in to the octagon right now and he'd be fine yeah no I remember um in Milwaukee a few years ago about five years ago when he was still playing small forward uh still a little, a little thinner and you know they were I remember the announcer saying oh he might grow a little bit more he you know he might get a little bit more of muscle mass on him and I didn't think much of him I think uh the player that really they were talking about and uh they were really focusing on to to build that team was uh was jabari parker um and, and he was kind of that focal point um but uh but yeah Giannis, uh you know obviously exploded and uh became the leader and uh the best player in that team and and uh it did it such a, a gradual pace you didn't even notice <laughs> like this guy right. all of a sudden all of a sudden two mvps all these defensive player of the year awards it's just it was just crazy but 
Um, well, and he, and if I'm not mistaken, he came into the league at six nine and then grew another two inches. Yeah, yeah. No, you didn't know what did. they had when they were drafting him. Like it, it, it's it's almost. And I hate to bring up another old player, but it's almost a Scottie Pippen situation, where Scottie grew what seven inches during college. Yeah, like, that was during college. Insane amount. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and Scott Pippen definitely had mature a little bit more um, with his mm-hmm. game in, in the NBA. So, yeah, exactly. definitely definitely a lot of growth that he had to do. So, yeah, that, good comparison. But, uh, you know, mentioning the Bulls now, that's why I'm, I'm kind of upset that they gave away their, their draft pick, two draft picks, uh, because you never know what you're going to find, even in these mid-round uh, draft picks. I mean, you have, you have Giannis, obviously. You have uh, Donovan Mitchell, I think, was the 13th pick. You have um Devin Booker who was you know 13th 15th pick somewhere around there so mm-hmm. you never know what you can find you can find these gems but uh we did what yeah. we did so Kawhi Leonard was like a what was he a 15th pick yeah he was 15th pick too for Indianapolis yeah mm-hmm. so but we'll see we'll see what happens uh don't hate the direction of the Bulls but uh didn't, didn't love the fact that they gave away those draft picks all right and on that note what do you guys think Giannis's future holds? Do you think he's going to stay in Milwaukee? Do you think he's going to go elsewhere? What's happening to Giannis, Chris? I think he sticks around in Milwaukee. Honestly, I really do. I think he's super bought in. I don't feel like when when he talks, when he you know does his press conferences, when he is um, just living his life. I mean, look at look at his tweets. I think he's happy. I really do, and I don't mm-hmm. think that he's looking to take his talents to South beach. I think that he, he wants to stick around. Nice. I think he wants to build a winner in Milwaukee. I think he truly cares about, um, and not to say that, you know, I, you know, I, I made a crack at the expense of LeBron, not to say he didn't care about the fans in Cleveland, but I think Giannis really does want to stick around in Milwaukee and build a winner there. I think he wants to have a long-term, uh, you know, championship run. Um, mm. but you know, we'll see, but, I think that's what he wants. I I could be wrong, but that's the vibe I get from him. Yeah, I mean, I think he just signed an extension, so I, I'm pretty sure he's going to stay there. Um, and and kind of, but he seems like a really loyal guy, so I think he's he's going to stick around. The, the team is is really supportive of him. I mean, they even uh, brought his brother, his his eldest brother, to be a part of the team and. Uh, not to say he's terrible, but you know they, I, he's not. He's I, not great. He's not great. Yeah, he, <laughs> great. they, they brought great. him in just for for Giannis, and I think I think LA did uh, a pretty similar thing with uh, drafting one of their their younger brothers, uh, and I think he's playing there in the D League right now for them. But <laughs> it didn't it didn't work it didn't quite work out quite quite as well with uh, the Lakers. He stayed with Milwaukee. All the Antetokounmpo's are taking over this league. We better learn how to pronounce their name. Carson Wentz, Julio Jones, Matthew Stafford. These are just a few of the players that will be wearing new jerseys when the 2021 NFL preseason begins on August 5th. And while the NFL processes hundreds of moves each year, this year felt different. At least 11 teams will have a new quarterback this year, and we're still waiting to see what happens in Houston and Green Bay. But let's chat about some of the bigger moves heading into this new season. And I kind of want to start off with this Julio Jones trade, um, because I I felt that that really Julio Jones going to the Titans, who is already a great team with a great running back. um, 
he just made them the number one seeds in the NFL right now. Do you guys, uh, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I love that move too. Um, I, I would, I wish that I trusted Ryan Tannehill to be this, you know, uh, 5,000 uh, yard season QB, but I, I just don't see that. So I don't know exactly uh, how much, um, how much more they're going to throw uh, with Julio Jones, but um, I still love the move. I love the team. Uh, they're more of a conservative team, more of a run first team. So I uh, wish he had, he had gone to uh, more of a, a passing uh, team, but, um, but yeah, I still love the move. I uh, still think that they're, um, they're going to be great with him and he's going to be a very useful tool, uh, not only the team, but even to bring up uh, AJ Brown and make him an even better receiver as well. Oh yeah. I like it Chris? for, I like it for the, the Titans. I don't like it for fantasy football. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how much Julio will, you know, stand out. I, I just don't know if he'll stand out. Um, I think he'll help the team win. I think they've got a reliable receiver in him and he'll help the Tannehill move the ball. Um, but I don't think he's going to necessarily stand out. Um, like he did in his younger years in Atlanta, and that I could be wrong, and I can see I can see people disagreeing with me. Um, but let me tell you why I think that. I'm mad about it for fantasy football purposes and fantasy football purposes only. So that's why you're mad. Yeah, a hundred percent. You're upset that is is it because AJ Brown isn't going to get as many touches Correct. as he normally would? Yes. Okay. I'm a big fan of AJ Brown. Big fan, big fan. And so I don't I, love this. You don't see this as being a positive for AJ Brown? No, not really. AJ Brown was already uh awesome. Mm-hmm. And and was uh, getting doubled. Yep. I get that. It's may not be happening that much this year now. I hope not. And and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong and great. Um, but I'll tell you this, I am less likely uh-huh. to draft either of those individuals in fantasy football because of this. See where Chris is coming from there. You know, I, I don't see both him and AJ Brown uh, reaching a, a thousand yards and, you know, 10 touchdowns, kind of the equivalent of what you need to be a, a top wide receiver in fantasy football, um, especially with, with Ryan Tannehill. I just, I don't see him just uh, throwing the ball everywhere. He actually did have a good season though. So I'm not going to hate on them too much. He had a really he, good year, Alex. Yeah, but it, it was, it was still under 4,000 yards though. I mean, he had, he had 33 touchdowns, seven well, interceptions. And- when you have a guy like Derrick Henry on your team, you're just not going to throw for that many yards. Right. And that's also part of the problem, right? Is that like, there's just not enough ball yeah, to go that's, around. That's, that's the type of team that they are. And that's why I, I kind of wish that he went to a team that more, that aired it out a little bit more, because I, I feel like he does have a lot of um, time left. You know, I, I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to have a bad year. I think he's still going to be the number one option on that team. Uh, he had a down right. year last year because of injuries, but I think he's going to bounce back from that. He's only 32 years old. I, I think he can play as long as, as Jerry Rice did. I think he, he played until he was about 39, 40 almost. So I think he has plenty of time left, but I just, I don't think he went uh, with the best team to, to um, you know, to show his stats and his ability, but, you know, it could have been more of a long game for him too. You know, he could have been thinking, Hey, I'm going to go yeah. on a team that doesn't need me that much and I can extend my career as well. And, and it definitely sounds like that's what Julio Jones wants to do. Julio Jones wants to win a Super Bowl. And I'm pretty sure he picked the team that's going to help him win a Super Bowl quickest. Somebody who has a solid quarterback, 
somebody who has a superstar running back and an already um, set up wide receiver, not to mention a great offensive line, a solid defense. I think Julio Jones made the right business decision for himself. Something that's going to keep him in the league and keep him winning champion and keep him winning. I mean, yeah, you you, you know, he doesn't have a a big ego when he he didn't uh, take his number 11 from AJ and AJ was was willing to give it up. But uh, I mean, yeah, AJ, AJ, I mean, had his, his posters on the wall growing up, so he loves it <laughs> and was willing to give it up. But, but you know, uh, Julio Jones said, no, you keep it. You do what you, you can with it. I, I had my day in the sun. I think for, you know, I have to pick the Titans to win that division for sure. And I don't know. I mean, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really good. All their skill position players are just top notch. How do you argue? I mean, they're going to come out of the division for sure. Um, right. They they have to have a deep run in the playoffs. They have to uh, for this trade to um, pay off. But I really believe that they will. Uh, and I think Tannehill, this is his moment, man. Like he got ruined in Miami, but he's a talented quarterback. I really do think this is his moment to shine. He's shown it the last two seasons. He's got what it takes. It's time to climb the mountain. All right, guys, let's jump to another player. Um, let's talk a little Carson Wentz. All right, this is a man Bad. who uh, definitely did not have a great year last year, but before then was a perennial MVP candidate and definitely not too bad. He has uh, left the Philadelphia Eagles via trade and is now a member of the Indianapolis Colts to try and carry on Philip Rivers' good work from last year. Um, how do you guys think uh, Carson Wentz is going to do getting back with his old offensive coordinator? Bad. Because he's bad. All right, that was a great segment, everybody. No offense, no offense, no, Carson Wentz. No, I don't not, think you're not as good as as we thought you were. I don't think he's bad. I think I think he's a good QB. Um, I I do think that uh, he was kind of, I mean, he had that one uh, you know uh, breakout year, and and that was kind of his came he came back to earth a little bit. He's a solid QB, but what I heard uh, about him is that he's not a good leader. He's he's not a good uh, teammate on the field. So. That's why I don't think he's going to be successful with Indy. Um, not because of his skill set, just because you know he's just uh, he's just not the leader that they need uh, long term. Yeah, bad, bad. He's just bad. I really feel like Carson Wentz has a chance to do better in Indianapolis. Um, once again, getting back together with his old offensive coordinator, the guy who made him what he was back in the day. Um, really, it's his only opportunity to get better. <laughs> When the rumors were going around that he was coming to the Bears, I'm pretty sure every Bears fan just held their collective breath saying, please don't do this. Just do not do this. And, um, and you know, we, we didn't get much better in Dalton, but at least we uh, didn't get worse. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I called, yeah, I called you, and I said, mm-hmm. if, they, if they pick up Wentz here, I can't rationalize my fandom any longer. I might never watch football again because my brain will stop working. So I'm really glad that didn't happen. Um, you guys know, do you remember what, what Philly got in that trade? They got, no, I can't they, remember. What did they get? They mm-hmm. got a 21 third rounder, and they got a 22 second rounder that could become a first rounder based on play. So if Wentz is good, then that, play, or that pick becomes a first round pick. If he's bad, worst case scenario, it's still a second round pick where you can get a fantastic player. Mm-hmm. So I think the Eagles came away smelling like roses here. 
Yeah, and, and I think it's telling too. I mean, I, I do think he's he's he landed in a good spot, like Peter said, with a good offensive coordinator, great offensive line with Indy. But mm-hmm. it, it's kind of telling that that Philly, you know, MVP, a former MVP candidate, uh, lost his job to Jalen Hurts, who didn't really show that much at the end of the year. You know, second round draft pick. Um, you know, to lose his job to him, and 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 you know, for them to feel comfortable putting the ball in Jalen Hurts' hands. Uh, is 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 kind of telling to me that that you know something's wrong with with Car- uh, Carson Wentz and uh, he, he's his he's probably done. But like I said, we'll we'll see. But uh, I, I'm kind of agreeing with Chris here that he he just sucks. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm gonna have to put my foot down here, guys. Let's let's put a number down and let's do a little over under, shall we? All right, love it. Do it. This I is gonna say... be interesting though, because I gotta think long and hard now that there's 17 game. I mean, uh, 18 games in the season, not just. Uh, or I'm sorry. Uh, 17 games. games. 18 I'm weeks. 17 18 games. weeks. 18 weeks. Yeah. So the over under and, and correct me if I'm if I'm a little too under or over here, but I, I say we put the over under line at 3,500 yards for the year. 3,500 over mm-hmm. under. See, I think he could hit that. Yeah, I just don't I, think I, I'd take I the over think, on that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think maybe if you put it at at, at forty two, I wouldn't put over forty two. Do you think forty two? I don't know about forty two. I'm willing to 40, do. How about four thousand flat? I'll do four thousand flat. What do you think, Chris? I'll take the under on four thousand. All right, I'll take the over on four thousand. So it's me versus you two on this one. Yeah, or I'm what, sorry, what Alex, happens? you haven't made your decision yet. No, no, I'll, I'll take the, the under on that too, but I want I want uh, TDs to be a part of it as well. What's your number? Uh, or to touchdown to interception ratio. No, no, let's just do TDs. I'm, I'm fine <laughs> if he throws 30, 30 interceptions and throws 30 TDs. Um, let's go with uh, 28. Under. What, what, what were... What were uh, uh, Philip Rivers numbers last year. That's what I'm about to look up here. Let's take a look. I mean, between Philip Rivers' numbers last year and kind of what Carson Wentz has done in his career so far, I feel like that may be a little high. So last year, oh, Carson, or I'm sorry, Philip Rivers had 24 touchdowns pat, or thrown. Versus uh, 11 interceptions, and he threw for 4,169 yards. Okay, so let, let, let's make it a little bit fair then, Chris. Let's do 25.5. Fine, I'll still take the under. And here's the thing. Philip Rivers was the dink and dunk captain of the world. <laughs> and he, would, he, was, he, he will dump it down to his running back constantly. Carson mm-hmm. Wentz is not going to dump it down as much. He's going to throw incomplete passes. He's going to look like he might run, but not, and get sacked. And then he's going to throw some incomplete passes and some interceptions. He'll, I think you guys have a really poor opinion of Wentz. Wentz's worst year was this past year when he had a 57.4 completion percentage. Before that, he was well into the 60s for most of his career. Bad. I think Still you bad. guys are taking a blip and turning it into something much more here. I don't think this is a Jason Goff situation where he has chosen. just kind of lost it. So I'm going to take the over and I'm going to win this bet at the end of the year. And I feel like if I win, 
I kind of want an autographed picture of Frank Thomas as my prize. I don't Wait, know. No, I don't know what to say. Ice bath. It has to be football related at least. Whoever, you can't just say whoever loses with the football player of a baseball player. Whoever right? loses gets an ice bath in December outside in the front of their house and it gets recorded. And you know, maybe done. we put it up on our on our Twitter. Done. One hundred percent done and done. Fine. Air shake. <laughs> done. Alex didn't air shake. That means he's disqualified and therefore He's giving us air jazz fingers. I guess that's all right. <laughs> Who do we have all left? Right. We, didn't we want to talk about one more? We're going to talk about one more guy. And this is a guy that we knew or we know all too much about. This man's name is Matthew Stafford. Oh, man. Matt Stafford is one of those guys who's always able to put up numbers, never able to get the W in the column. He now has an amazing defense to work with. He's got a great offense and he's got a brand new head coach. No, what am I talking about? Not a brand new head coach. Yeah, brand new head coach. Yeah, new team. He's got Robert Woods. And that right there. That's awesome. <laughs> now there's there's a tandem right there in Cooper Cup and Robert Woods that I would mm-hmm. still feel comfortable drafting a steady player like Robert Woods. Not to give my fantasy secrets away, but uh consistency wise. Oh boy. Imagine how consistent he's going to be with a real quarterback throwing him the ball. Ouch, man. That's, that's disrespect to golf, but you know, um, I, I love, I love the, <laughs> I love, I love Sean McVay. I think he's a, he's a terrific head coach. Um, I'm glad that he has a, a talented uh, QB like Stanford uh, coming his way. And, and uh, I, I think Stanford just, just needed this change. Um, he did what he could with uh, Detroit. He has some, some years where he had some good pieces and, and didn't achieve much, but um, I still think he's a really solid QB, um, better than golf. So uh, I, I think it's it's a it's a great fit for him, great fit for the coach, and uh, excited to see what they do next year. A minute ago, Peter, when you said Jason Goff, did you mean Jared Goff? I totally meant Jared Goff. I'm thinking yeah. of the host. Jason Goff of a uh, host of yeah. a radio show there near you. Oh uh, no, actually, he's doing post game and pregame for the Chicago Bulls now. That's awesome. He's a good oh, host. I enjoy him he's quite a, a very bit. Good host. So shout out to you, Jason Goff. You're a great host. Definitely much better than Jared Goff. Jared Goff? Goff. Did you say, did you say Jared Goff? Does he, does he play sports with Patrick Hewing? He got you. Patrick yeah, Hewing you. and Jared Goff together. Did you, you look like a fool, Peter? A fool. Sorry, Chris. You'll get yours. You'll get we'll yours play soon enough. <laughs> Oh, mercy. But of the three of these three guys, who do you think has the brightest future? Oh, man. Brightest you... future. I mean, are we That's... talking short term here? Because yeah, I'm sorry. Brightest future this year. Who do you think is going to do best this season? Go ahead. Hmm. You can do team wise or personally up to you. So, so uh, I think Wentz is, is out of the conversation for me. <laughs> so it's really between Julio Jones and uh, Matt Stafford. Um, you know, I think comparably so just because he had such a down injury riddled year last year. Um, they're going to talk about him a lot more this year because of, her, of his bounce back years. So I'm going to say Julio Jones, uh, is, is going to have a, a brighter future, uh, this, this coming up season. Chris, you know, as I kind of said in my, my take on the Titans, it's hard not to agree with Julio Jones. 
but uh, so that I stick with my brand, I'm going to have to disagree with Alex and then say Matt Stafford. And then that way we can wager something here. You know, why not make it uh, a double Alex? So um, how do we, how do we decide? I mean, it's two different positions. Yeah, that's, that's too difficult. Do we take the teams, the teams uh, standing at the end of the uh, season? I don't think Chris wants to do that. Chris does not. <laughs> you really up, want to Chris? go that route, feeling... Chris? Well, how are you feeling, Peter? Which way are you swaying on this one? Oh, I'm I'm not involved in this one. If I'm taking Carson Wentz, I'm not I'm not I'm not expecting the team to do amazing things. Um, actually, no. Wait, I take that back. Indianapolis is going to be good, but I do think that Tennessee and LA are going to do better than an Indy. I'm going to go with LA. Um. Golly, I do think both. Gosh, that's hard. I can't. It's mm-hmm. too hard for me to disagree with Alex on this one because, as, as I mentioned earlier, I really, really feel strongly about Tennessee on this one. Uh, and plus, you know, I've got some some ties near Nashville. Loving that area down there. Mm-hmm. Got the fam. So I guess we will have to find something else to disagree on and uh, shame each other on later on. That sounds good, but but we got we got the one for Peter. We're going to shame the hell out of them this upcoming season. Oh, absolutely! Carson Wentz is terrible, and you know Garbage. what? We'll see who's right when the season's over. Coming up next, we draft NBA busts on purpose this time. <laughs> The NBA draft is full of excitement and hope. Every year, we read articles and watch highlights of some of the best prospects looking to succeed in this league. And every year we watch as that hope and excitement turn into disappointment when some of these players just inevitably do not pan out. So this week, we have decided to draft those busts to determine who can make the worst possible team. Rules are as follows. The player selected had to have been picked in the top 10 and will need to be one guard, one forward, and one center. And trust me, there's plenty of centers to choose from. The fourth pick will be your reserve off the bench. And just like our Space Jam draft, this will be a snake draft. And to pick the order, we're going to go about the same way. We're going to use our picker wheel. All right, here we go. Wheel of choices. Spin, spin, spin. Dude, do, do we want to win this though? Like, I don't think anyone wants to win this one. Like, who wants oh, no, to, no, the I want to win all have the worst possible team? Yeah, I understand that. Are you still. kidding me? <laughs> Two weeks in a row, Chris gets the first pick. Yeah, oh, this is rigged, buddy. This is more rigged than the Sacramento Lakers series. What I'm talking about, rigged. We want the ball. We're gonna win. And for the number two overall pick. Oh, what do you know? Things do change. Infuego has the number two pick, which means I've got the third and final pick. All right, Chris, you have the clock. Okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to do this with strategy. I'm not necessarily drafting the person I want to draft first, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it the way that I think I need to, because as you mentioned before, there's a lot of big men that really didn't pan out. that stunk up the league and fizzled out quick. Oh, yeah. So strategy has to take over here. And it's not going to be a popular pick amongst you guys. In fact, it it broke my heart even to think about it. Mm. Because I remember how excited I was. But with my first pick, I have to take the guard, Jay Williams. 
Oh. So see, that was see, uh, way to start uh, on a bad note, Chris. Yeah, yeah got to do it. Got to do it. And here's you why. Do. Everybody mm-hmm. was so excited. Yeah, he couldn't hit his free throws in college. We knew that. But we were so excited to finally have something good, right? We, we had Elton Brand. and We were feeling good. And we had Ron Artest, then who became Meta World Peace. And then we brought in Jay Williams. And Jay Williams crashed his motorcycle. Very, very sadly, it was, it was, it was awful. I'm glad that he's okay. He's a great uh, analyst. He's great on TV. I love watching him. But as a, as a draft pick, he's number one. Bust. (laughs) So here's, here's my opinion on that. And, and obviously you guys can do what you want, but I don't consider players that um, were injured to be busts. You know, they, but there is had, an asterisk at the end of the season for if uh, an injured player doesn't make it to the finals, huh? Yeah, there is. So, yeah, I just I just don't. <laughs> I really think that uh, if, if it had nothing to do with their own talent, you know, like Sam Bowie, like I, I don't think that he was a bust. I just think he, he was unfortunate with, a, you know, a, a bad foot or bad, uh, um, bad leg. No, I think he was a, he was a really talented player, was he, actually. Was he, even, was he number two overall better than Michael Jordan talent? No, well, We'll if you have Clyde, if you hit Clyde Drexler and you have uh, John Paxson, then you don't need a Michael Jordan. It, it, it was a, it was a dumb, yeah, of course. But when you have two shooting guards that um, you know were our star caliber, it's, it's it's hard to to draft a, another a shooting guard. And no one expected Michael Jordan to be Michael Jordan, so they needed a tall guy. They they drafted him. He was actually even with his injuries, he still had a season where he averaged fourteen points and and ten rebounds. He was he would have been a really solid player if he didn't have those injuries. So. That's my opinion. Uh, you guys can do what you want, but um, that's why I didn't draft players that uh, were injured throughout their career. A bust to bust, buddy. Bust to bust. All right, Alex, you've got the number two pick. You are on the clock, sir. Who do you have? All right, so for my uh, pick, I'm going with, actually, I, I think he was, um, yes, yeah, second uh, overall. Um, same with Jay Will. Um, he was drafted in, in 2012. Uh, by the great uh, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Michael Kidd Childress with the ugliest shot I've ever seen in my life. I don't even know how he got drafted this this high. Uh, I don't blame MJ for drafting uh, Kwame Brown with the, Briz- with the Wizards because he actually really wanted to trade uh, Kwame uh, to the Bulls for Elton Brand, so he wasn't expecting to keep him. But this guy, I don't know what he saw. <laughs> I mean, he was an athletic freak. I understand that, but he just uh, his, his shooting mechanics are, are worse than Ben Simmons. So I, I just I just don't understand that pick. But he, he's my uh, my my guard uh, for my lineup. That's a solid choice. He was a truly awful left-handed shooter, and he was one of those guys that the the prognosticators were always saying, "Well, once he gets his shot down, he's going to be a great player." And you're right; that just never happened. All right, so it uh, it's on me now. I've got the third overall pick, the final pick in the first round. And with that, I'm going to take another Charlotte player, um, this time from the 2006 draft. I'm going to go with number three overall pick, Adam Morrison. 
Now, Adam Morrison had a pretty fantastic career at Gonzaga. Unfortunately, he really didn't do too much after that. Um, with a combination of injuries, bad facial hair, and just bad playing, he was pretty much booted out of the league after a few years. He did win a couple championships riding the bench for that uh, for those Lakers teams when uh, when Kobe was winning, but he didn't really do anything with them. So I'm going to take Adam Morrison as my forward with the number three pick. Yeah, for as great as a shooter as he was in college, he was just piss poor and awful in the NBA. Just could never get together. I was, it was that was a shame. He was he was they were looking at him to be the next uh, uh you know great white hype, but he just could not not put it together. It's it, it really is. It's it's a shame because his I think he shot like thirty two percent when he was in the NBA. Just absolutely Pathetic. terrible. Could not Pathetic. do it. I think we have all to mention right, so. that a lot of this happened because you know all these years that we talked offline about where we just had crops of you know not nothing i don't want to take away from these guys they're talented uh and sure. they were good in college but they weren't nba caliber players and the, these these drafts were full of not nba caliber caliber players so many years and so you had teams reaching just because who else were they going to pick and and the funny thing is a lot of those years you found this diamond in the rough uh in the second round that mm-hmm. ended up being the best player out of that entire draft. So it goes to show like in the NBA, you you shrug off a second round pick, but sometimes you you get lucky, really, really lucky with a great player. That's my my spiel on real life NBA right there. Now we can get back to our, <laughs> our garbage heap draft. Let me just mention too with my pick, he's right in between Anthony Davis and Bradley Beal. That's that's where my pick. And that made. really does make a difference, right? Who was drafted after these players? It's it's just amazing. Now there's not too much as far as actually no, who was drafted after uh after Morrison, Adam? Yeah, who was drafted after Adam Morrison? I don't remember. I don't remember the year. It was 2006. The year was 2006. Adam Morrison. Oh, no. Tyrus Thomas (laughs) and Sheldon Williams afterwards. Brandon Roy was six, though. Also, technically a bust due to injury. That was. I I don't think he's a bust because of injury. I I mean, he he lasted, what, five years? They knew he he had a a knee injury. They knew it was going to eventually, you know him because i think i forget exactly what it was but it was something in his knee that was wearing down and they knew it was wearing down so he played for as long as he could and he played great when he could play but he really did i i was i was happy to see uh brandon Roy play when he did i mean so right, you guys consider got... penny penny hardaway a bust <clears throat> no penny hardaway had multiple good years so so what's the limit then five years no like one maybe one and a half that's usually so he, what a bust, like as far as injury goes, and usually these injured guys, they didn't even have a good half year. They just weren't great, then got injured and flamed out. Each his own. So speaking of flaming out due to injuries, the first pick in the second draft is going to be one Gregory Odin one of the more heralded players to come out of Ohio state university and within, I mean, that whole first year he had to sit out because of injuries. And then really 
could not get it back. And the worst part is, is that once again, the Blazers having a choice between a big man and a scorer went with the big man and ended up not drafting Kevin Durant. So as far as the first pick in the second round, I'm going with the Mr. Greg Oden. That's a, that's a, another injury injury pick, which I don't necessarily agree with, but um, that, was, that was a fun Blazers team that they were putting together, though. They, they had tons of players on that team. Brandon Roy, Greg Oden. What's um, one small forward that's playing with the Clippers now? Um, I can't remember his name. They had, they, had tons of, they had tons of talent on that team. That was a fun young team, but just um, unfortunately injuries just uh, got to them and uh, were never able to reach their full potential. I had high hopes for Greg Oden. I'm not just saying that because he's super tall. Um, I had really high hopes for him. <laughs> um, but, you know, I can't say my same idea there. He gets injured. Um and fizzles out. He came, he still played, you know, after the injury, just like Jay Williams did. But, um, you, not, you know what his, his injury was? Wasn't it a, like an ACL? No, he had, he literally had one leg that was uh, longer than the other. And then mm, just that right. imbalance just kept getting him injured. Just, it, you know, with your muscles having to strain here and there, it's just, it's, it's too much on the body, especially with, you know, a two game season. He's just, his body just could not handle it. Yeah. From 2008 to 2014, he only played in 105 games, six years, 100 games and started in only 66 of those. Truly a bust. If there ever was one. Oh, come on. All right. Alex, (laughs) number two, second round. You guys, you guys are, are, are fools with those injury busts. This is the true bust of all busts. And without a doubt, there's, there's no argument can be made that he was not a bust is Anthony Bennett. He is by far the biggest bust. In the, I mean, number one pick. Oh, come on, Peter. Number one pick. Yeah, <laughs> you took last... mine. You took mine. Yeah. Dude, he's, 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 he's a true bust if there, there was any bust. I mean, number one pick, he averaged four points three rebounds for his career uh, only collapsed four seasons. And that was only because he was a number one pick. So everyone was like, okay, well, let's give him another shot. Let's give him another shot. You know, come to Toronto. We'll give you another shot. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it was just, he, he was, I mean, what was his field goal percentage? Uh, 39%. And he's, a, he's a big man. He's a power forward. It, it, he, he was, he's the true bus of all bus. Um, should have been actually taking the first one. I should have done that. But um, I wanted to respect Jordan with that, with that first pick. <laughs> Okay. Of course, got to give well, the Jordan love, Chris. Number three, I would argue. Two. I would argue, like you know, Peter mentioned earlier. I think you both did actually. Who comes after this player in the in the real draft plays into how big of a bust they really are? Okay, let, let's go into that. And so, and, the and so Bennett, yeah, the 2013 draft was not a fantastic draft. Right, uh, Victor Alendipo was the second pick. Otto Porter, another not great player. He's a, he's a consistent player. He's better than Anthony Bennett, but not great player. Uh, Cody Zeller, uh, Alex Land. Um, there's a big it, one. There's a real big one you haven't mentioned yet. Another big one in the top 10? In that draft. As being a bust? No, a big, a big name that went after. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, CJ McCollin, he was drafted there. Um, yeah, and Giannis, who was drafted in that same Giannis Antetokounmpo. But again, he was he was 18. I mean, he was you know he played Still. overseas. A lot of people didn't know pick. of him. You have a good pick, Alex. I'm trying to I'm trying to give you props here. You made a good pick. Yeah, of course. So I think I, I Peter yawned, but I think you made a really solid pick. That that would have been my next pick. Um, but since you you picked him, um, I'm going to go along with uh, with that same theme. And and I'm really torn here. I'm torn between two guys. Um, one is a name that I know is in both of your heads. And I think we knew it the day it happened, that it was a problem. And uh, the other is a name that I think many people have forgotten. But the names that went after him is mind-blowing. So this is really tough. Both players were selected number two overall. But I think I have to lean towards my center in this situation, Darko Milicic, who was drafted ahead of Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and Carmelo Anthony. So that'll be my pick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draft my center, and it's Darko Milicic. Darko is an extremely good choice. I mean, what did honestly, they call him? That, that was like one of the strongest drafts of all time. And the fact that he got picked number two in that draft, yeah, that, that says a lot, considering he pretty much didn't do anything in the NBA. Am I right there? Like, literally. Oh, like, yeah. He, he was nothing. They called him the, the what were they, they called him the cigar or something in Detroit. Like, they knew when he came on the court, that means that, like, it was a blow oh, up. Oh, yeah, game. he's the they victory the cigar. The, bag. the victory yeah. cigar, yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, that was, that was his, his biggest thing in the, in the NBA. That's when he came on the floor. But um, no, I mean, Joe Dumars, he, he made a lot of great moves with that, that Pistons team. Um, unfortunately, he, he did not draft well with this pick at all. You know what's fun about a snake draft, guys? What's that, Chris? I, I felt good about my last pick, but now I get to go again. And so I get to take both guys. So the next oh. one, the next one, Went number two overall in 2011. He went ahead of Kimball Walker, Kawhi Leonard, and Clay Thompson. And that guy that I said is a name that many people forgot is Derek Williams. So that'll be my forward, Derek Williams, number two overall ahead of Kemba, Kawhi, and Clay. Give me a break. <laughs> what year was that again? 2011. 2011. Yeah, Williams. I mean, he had a, a, a you know, seven-year career, uh, nine points, four rebounds. Definitely did not live up to his hype whatsoever. Yeah, I, Derek Williams is trash, and like it's unfortunate because, like, I don't really know what he did, and that's why I thought he was like he he was just he was part of that that era when there were like four or five guys that were just big. It seemed like they had all the talents, but they couldn't really do anything with it. Derek Williams is definitely on that list. All right, Alex. Chris all made right. his pick in the first round of uh, our first pick of round three. Now it's your turn. All right. So for um, my third pick, uh, I want to bring up a guy that to me doesn't get enough hate. Like he needs to be talked about more <laughs> in a negative <laughs> fashion. I like where this is going. Let's hear it. And this is Danny Ferry, all right? He had a long oh, career. Wow. He had a, a really long career, 13 years, mostly with the, the same team uh, in, in Cleveland, right? Was it, was it Cleveland? 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, and, and he, I mean, his numbers were garbage. He had seven points a game, three rebounds. You know, he was a big man who could shoot the ball, uh, even shoot the three, but he, for a second pick overall, that's a garbage, garbage pick. Now, granted, oh, and another thing too, I mean, he made a whole stick about not, he, he was actually drafted by the Los Angeles Clippers, made a whole stick about not wanting to play for them, went to Italy, played for a year, and then they, they traded him to, to Cleveland to, uh, to make him feel better, but he was still, he was still garbage after that. But uh, granted, the, the 1989 draft was not a fantastic draft anyway. I mean, Purvis Ellison was uh, drafted ahead of him. Sean Elliott, third pick, um, not super fantastic either. But I mean, it really started getting good with uh, Glenn Rice, um, Drew, and then Tim Hardaway with the 14th pick. So not not the best. And then you got Sean Kemp with the uh, – but Tim Hardaway was the 14th, and then uh, Sean Kemp was the 17th pick in, in that draft. So not the best draft uh, up at the top, but in the middle rounds, had some really solid players and uh, – Let's let's give more hate on on Danny Ferry and his uh, lackluster career. That is a solid choice, Alex. I haven't thought about Danny Ferry in forever. I so, haven't. His shorts were short. They were very short. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't was? Oh no, it was Craig Elo that that got that was the shot from Jordan, right? Danny Ferry yeah. as well. After that, never mind. Okay, I always get them those those two guys mixed up in my head. So who do you got, Peter? Who's who's your pick coming up? All right. So I've thought long and hard about this because I need to, if I'm not mistaken, I need to pick a guard. I've got my forward. I've got my center. So for my guard, I've got a couple options here. There's really two that I'm going between, but I think the one that I'm going to choose is one that we all thought would be a lot better than he actually was when he was drafted number three overall by the Minnesota Timberwolves in 2008. This is a man who had shooting pedigree from UCLA. I'm sorry, USC, where he averaged more than 20 points per game. This man is OJ Mayo. He was taken in the draft ahead of Russell Westbrook, Kevin Love, and Goran Dragic. And for good reason, too, because OJ Mayo had all the talent in the world, but for whatever reason, could not do anything with it. So for the final pick in the third round, I'm going with OJ. That, that's a great one. He was actually, they, they were comparing him to LeBron James when he came out. There's like, he's going to be the next LeBron James, but right. definitely he did not pan out. He was talented, just could not do it. Just a lot of people, you know, I don't know what it is, but some people don't like mayonnaise. You know, they, do, they say, I don't, I don't want any mayo. You know, that's what happens sometimes. And maybe that's, you know, just kind of what happened here. You know, maybe people are like, you know what? Pass. No mayo for me. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, if he okay. would have came out in this year's draft, he could have been mayo chup. And that would have just turned everything around for him. I think you might be right. All right. Thankfully, I've got the first round in the fourth or the first pick in the fourth round as well. So I'm going to go ahead and take my final pick here. There are still a ton of great busts to choose from. Oh, let's see. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go with a hometown favorite. I'm going to go with a man who was nicknamed, not lovingly by his, uh, federal, by his other fans and teammates as the black hole because he would never pass the ball once he got it. He got the ball. He shot the ball. That man's name is Marcus 
Pfizer. 2000 NBA draft number four overall selection. Now, there weren't, it was a weak draft class. There wasn't much going on outside of him, but I've got to pick him just because I watched him play a lot. And it was so frustrating to watch him play because this was a man who was huge. It felt like he could have he he could have been the next Charles Barkley if he wanted to be. But instead, he had no interest in doing anything, but whenever he got the ball, he shot the ball. Yeah, it's it's weird with these power forwards. Like people fall in love with them, like you know, like Derek Williams, Anthony Bennett, um, Michael Beasley. Um, you know, they come in and, and Pfizer, they come in, like you're like, oh, this guy can can dribble, he can post up, he can he can mm-hmm. do it all, and then they come in and they're just uh, complete garbage. <laughs> Exactly. And no one, no one sees it coming. It's it's kind of ridiculous. And, it, and didn't he play? Did he play for Tim Floyd in college? So everyone thought like, oh, this is gonna be a, a great connection. Yep, he played for Tim Floyd at Iowa. That's right. Yeah, so he he had all the opportunity to to play well, but man, what a, what a pathetic pathetic pick that was. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's that's a good it. terrible pick. Thank you. He he was out of the NBA after six seasons, never made the playoffs, never was a part of a winning season. That just shows you he was just mired in losing. But I digress. Alex, what do you got? Okay, can I can I cheat here? Can I cheat by not drafting a center? I, I actually ha- realized after my Danny Ferry pick that I have not drafted a center yet. I drafted a guard and two forwards, and I would like to draft another forward instead of a center. <laughs> Am I forced rules, to? Rules uh, are rules. Fine, fine, fine. Um, I mean, if I'm going to draft a bad center, uh, it's going to have to be the Candyman, uh, Michael Oluwakandi, uh, the 1998 draft. Uh, everyone was comparing him for some oddly reason to Hakeem Olajuwon. Uh, don't know why, because he wasn't even close to being as good as him. Um, again, not a fantastic draft uh, uh, for, the, for at least the first four picks. Uh, but we had Vince Carter in that draft, Antoine Jamerson. Um, the biggest name in that draft is is Dirk Nowitzki, who was actually uh, rated for a Robert Tractor Trailer. Um, did a little nice little swap there, and then uh, yeah, and actually Paul Pierce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robert Tractor, he could be another another bust. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Paul Pierce was also in that draft as well. So uh, decent, uh, you know, uh, decent picks a little bit further down, but. Michael Wakandi leading that draft, uh, and it was not a good one. He actually played nine years, but I feel like for centers, if you're tall and you can somewhat do some things down low, you're going to have at least a 10-year career. So he played for nine, didn't even get 10. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, Michael Wakandi is is my pick. Solid choice, Alex. Very solid choice. And as soon as Chris turns off his mute, he's going to make the final pick in the fourth round. All right. Here we go. So you brought up the 2008 draft and you brought up OJ Mayo. I'm just going to list off. You, you said, you said a few names, but that, that draft was pretty decent. You know, there were some decent uh, role player type of players in that draft. There was some decent mm-hmm. above average players in that draft. You know, you had, um, you know, George Hill, Serge Ibaka, you know, the power surge, right? Um, you know, there JaVale McGee, who's played an important, important role. Um, Very much so. Roy Hibbert, uh, Robin and Brooke Lopez were both drafted in that draft. Um, DJ Augustine, Eric Gordon, 
Kellen Ari came out in that draft. Are, are you Kevin naming Love. any good players or Kevin Love just... came out in that draft? As mm-hmm. you mentioned, Russell Westbrook. But if if I think back to the excitement of that draft and looking at the Bulls having the number one pick and being a Bulls fan and going, my goodness, if they don't pick Derrick Rose, how sad would that be? And I actually heard rumblings of people talking about this guy who they claimed would be a better fit and a better NBA talent than Derrick Rose. But he isn't, and he wasn't. And he is a bust. He may have averaged 12.4 points per game for his career, which is decent. Decent. But to be the number two overall pick and considered to be better, or at least even with Derrick Rose, and potentially a first overall pick, is asinine. And my pick here is Michael Beasley (laughs) for my bench. Michael Beasley had no business being discussed as a first overall pick in 2008. And he now finds his way onto my bust squad. You buster. (laughs) Is that the name of your team? The bust squad? The bust squad. I like it. With the busters. And it's just their jerseys are going to say busters on the front. Bunch of busters. (laughs) <laughs> Pete, Pete, what's your what's your team name? Oh boy, my team name is going to be um, We Tried. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> what about you, Alex? I'm going to go with the Loserville Losers. <laughs> Classic. Loserville Losers. All right. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, go over our picks one more time. Chris, since you had the first pick, go ahead and uh, let's hear who you, uh, your four picks. All right. So my picks were Jay Williams, Darko Milicic, Derek Williams, and Michael the Buster Beasley. My number one pick is a team uh, right there. That's a a Alex team. My uh, number one pick is uh, Michael Kidd Childress. Anthony Bennett, uh, Buster, Danny Ferry, and uh, the Candyman, Michael Owokandi. I believe now, you were discussing Michael Kidd Gilchrist? Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with the Childrist. What's his name? <laughs> See, he's so bad. Who cares about his name? That's, that's the whole point of this, this thing. There, it's just who cares. Actually, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine, and we were discussing busts, and he mentioned somebody, and I was like, um, well, what about Anthony Bennett? And he didn't know who Anthony Bennett was and still wanted me to continue exactly. to argue. He wanted me to continue arguing. I was like, dude, if you don't know who he was, I already win the argument. <laughs> that's that's it. I win. <laughs> oh, mercy. It's so true. You uh, you definitely won with Anthony Bennett. That was a great choice. I'm not going to lie. I had to yawn during it just because I was feeling a little salty from you uh, <laughs> hating on my Greg Oden pick, but that was a solid one. Speaking of which, the We Tried team consists of Adam Morrison, Greg Oden, OJ Mayo, and the Marcus Pfizer. So I want you guys to let us know who you think won on Twitter at the Hardcap Cast. We're going to post a poll. 
Let us know if it's the Busters, the Loserville Losers, or We Tried. And we'll be right back. Bunch of Busters. Busting. All right. And we're back. And it's time for Alex's trivia question of the week. Alex, what was last week's question? Last week, right before I get into last week's questions, you guys want one that, that's kind of draft-related here? Just a little draft-related question? As always. All right, let's, let's do one. It's, okay. Which NBA team, I'll make it a little bit easier for you guys. You guys can just guess the team, not the player. But which NBA team is known for drafting the first female player in the NBA? Hmm. First female player in the NBA. I'm going to go with the Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers. And I'm saying that because of the Reggie Cheryl Miller relationship. Maybe they drafted her just as a, you know, respect thing. Possibly. Possibly. Chris? Chris? You know, I don't know. I don't have even a, an inkling of an idea. So I'm going to guess here that it took place years ago. And I'm going to say it's the Seattle Supersonics before they were dissolved. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Peter, you had a, a great guess. Um, I think Indiana is known for uh, signing the first female player uh, ever, but not not drafting. Uh, the the New, New Orleans Jazz in 1977 uh, drafted uh, Louisa Harris uh, with the 137th pick uh, in the NBA draft. But... Uh, interesting story with that is that uh, she wasn't the first female ever taken. Uh, the first female ever taken was actually 1969 uh, by the San Francisco Warriors. Uh, but nice. the commissioner at the time <laughs> said, you're not allowed to draft women, <laughs> and especially you're not allowed to drive, draft a uh, high school uh, player. <laughs> so she was both a woman <laughs> and a high school player. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Double. So, Two yeah, strikes. So, they uh, negated that pick. So it, it's not down in history as a first uh, female uh, player ever, but it was the first time it occurred. All right. So that was, that was uh, a draft related. Now, the reason I'm bringing up the, the 1977 NBA draft is because it mm -hmm. relates to my question. So the question of the week last week uh, was um, the Kansas city Kings drafted this high profile Olympian in the NBA draft, name that gold medal winning Olympian. Uh, do you guys have any uh, additional guesses this week? What year was that again? 1977. That was well. Don't look it up now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hands up. I, gave, I gave you. I gave you. I gave you that pick. I gave you that. I gave you that little uh, piece of information only because it relates to my question. But yeah, don't look it up. So, uh, what? Who was the pick? I feel like I know, I feel like at one time I, I knew the name of this person. I think it's a, uh, an Olympic runner. Um, but I can't think of her name now and I, it, that could be the wrong name, but that's, that's who my guess would be. I just can't think of her name. So I'm, I'm useless. Her? Are you thinking like hey. Jackie Joyner Kersey, Chris? Yes. Specifically. Her. Okay. <laughs> All right, Peter, your guess. I'm, uh, I'm going to go with. Late 70s, 
Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Bruce Jenner. Wow, Peter, I think I think you've you've done the, the best in these questions so far. You got another you got another one here. Yeah, so nice. uh, uh, Bruce Jenner, now Caitlyn Jenner, uh, was drafted in 1977 after after winning the gold medal in 1976. Uh, so they had no intention of him playing, but there was just this uh, rumor or, or saying at the time that uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, drafted the best players or the best athletes uh, in the city and uh, <laughs> disrespecting things. So the Kings like, you know, screw that. We're going to draft the best athlete, <laughs> the Olympian Bruce Jenner. Uh, and, they, and they brought him in. They made a whole uh, big thing of it. I think it was like Bruce Jenner Day or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, he had, they had no intention of him playing. They actually just decided to waste a draft pick on Bruce Jenner. <laughs> and and you know what? I think they had what seven rounds back in the day. You definitely could waste a pick. Yeah, or two, he was he like was the filling sixth. out a fifteen person uh, team. Exactly. Yeah, he was a sixth pick. I think a hundred. It was funny. He was a hundred and I think thirty ninth. So he was two picks behind this uh, female player that I had just mentioned in uh, Louisa Harris. So. Um, but yeah, it, it was, at this point, it was you know you can do what you want, um, and I think you mentioned last week we can we can hold, go ahead and, and mention that one. Um, but uh, the Bulls had drafted uh, Carl Lewis. Uh, That's you had right. Last week with the the horrible anthem song that he did, um, and I think he was drafted in the tenth round. Um, and uh, the, the difference between him and Bruce Jenner is that Carl Lewis at the time I mean, he was just coming out of college. Uh, had not won any gold medals. This guy was an actual uh, gold medal winner that they they had they had drafted. Oh, I didn't. I thought this was after no, he no won no, the no. medals. Oh, that's nope. interesting. He hadn't won anything yet. Um, all right. So uh, the question for this week, and um, you know, if I'm making these questions too hard, fans, let me know. We'll we'll loosen this up a little bit. But uh, the question for this week is. Um, who or what uh, player, basketball player, um, Jones? The, yeah, basketball Jones uh, has yes. the highest points per game average uh, in the Olympic tournament year. You guys get the question? So it's the player with the highest points per game average for a specific Olympic season. Olympic year, yeah, right. Okay, Olympic tournament for basketball. Yeah. For basketball, Jones. <laughs> That's my answer. Basketball, Jones. Basketball, Jones. So no, uh, I, I don't think there is a player named Basketball Jones. So you are automatically disqualified. That's what uh, I go by. They call me Basketball you, Jones. Do you want to take? You want me to guess? Do you want to take a guess? No. No, I'm not going to take a guess. I'm okay, gonna, you can wait till next week. My guess. We'll wait till next that. week. You can wait till mm-hmm. next week. That's fine. But we'll post it up on uh, Twitter. Do we post it up on uh, Instagram as well? No, we haven't quite figured out Instagram yet. So right like now, Instagram. It's gonna be... Instagram doesn't like us. We don't like it. It's just you know, it's just what it is, and we're going to fight Darn with tootin'. it. So yes, <laughs> but we'll put it on Twitter, and you guys can uh, comment there. Definitely. Uh, and find us at the hard cap cast. So Twitter it's at the hard cap cast. And of course, if you want to email us with any questions, please email us at the hard cap podcast at gmail.com. Alex, once again, thank you very much for these questions of the week. I always love this trivia, but next 
we've got some fan mail. And this week, we've actually got quite a bit of fan mail. We had a little overflow this week. So we're going to go with a lightning round. And gentlemen, I'm going to keep you to a lightning round this time. So we're going to keep our answers to one minute or less. Because these are some meaty ones. The first question. Would you all agree that growing up in the Chicagoland area, the 1985 Chicago Bears shaped your love of football? And who knows the words to the Super Bowl shuffle? Chris, let's start with you on this. Yes, and I do. I can remember, I think, chunks of the Super Bowl shuffle. What about you guys? I can, I can remember chunks. I can't remember the whole, I can't sing the whole song, but I can remember yeah. uh, some good chunks. Definitely chunks. My name is Sweetness, and I like to dance. Running Start at the, the beginning. Like we are the Bears shuffling, shuffling crew. crew. Shuffle, shuffle on down, down doing, doing it, for, it you. for you. We're so bad, we know we're good. Blowing your mind like we knew we would. We would. We're not here <laughs> to start with trouble. We know we're just strutting for fun. And I'll stop for everyone. We're, we're not here. here to start no trouble. We're just we're here just to do the Super Bowl, Super Bowl show. Mm. And the first mm. one was? Mm. Go. You got this one. You did it. All right. My name is Sweetness, and I like to dance. Running the ball is like making romance. You seen me run. You seen no, no. See? And that's where I lose it. That's it, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a good chunk right there, uh, but no, definitely uh, the Bears were <laughs> were de- uh, you know definitely shaped my my love of football. Uh, sweetness right there. He's just one of the greatest players. Oh, I still consider him the best running back of all time, um, even though he doesn't have the, the all time rushing record anymore. But best overall uh, running back mm-hmm. is what I give him. I mean, he could catch the ball, he could run the ball, he, could, he was a great blocker, um, hands down. He was shifty. He could he could run downhill. It just bust right through you. It, he was he's just one of the best best running backs of all time. Love him so. Definitely uh, shaped my love of football. And uh, you, it, it, if you live in Chicago, you already know that that's going to have to be the case. I mean, Chicago is is a Bears town number one. And uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, Gary here, right. and I'm Mister Clean. They call me the Hitman. Don't know what they mean. I'll stop <laughs> now. This is supposed to be a lightning round. Well, I'm the fridge, and I'm the rookie. I may be young, but I'm no dumb cookie. Damn, you see me hit. You see me run. And I had a boat, boo. It's extra I don't, I don't know. I think I just combined some other ones. <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> All right. Um, but go. for me, my earliest memory of the 1985 Chicago Bears, I actually do have a, I, I, I always remember seeing that picture of the offensive lineman just hanging out on the post. Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? I think they're all wearing like the Blues Brothers outfits, and yes. I think that the poster was like "Sweet Home Chicago" or something like that. It was yep. one of the coolest things I'd ever seen, and I remember I distinctly remember seeing it in my godmother's basement when we used to go over to their house for the Super Bowl parties and stuff like that. It was um, it was fantastic. All right, question number two, and this one I think we can all answer just in our own time here. Um, how did you meet? And how did your passion of sports continue to be such a priority in all your lives? Alex, want to start this one? Sure. Well, yeah, uh, me and Peter met in junior high and then uh, met Chris in uh, high school. Was it? Uh, I think so. Freshman year. Showed up but, uh, year one of high school. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, how does it continue now? I don't know. I, I struggle with it, to be honest. <laughs> after i got married before i got married i was i was waking up watching espn and uh following like had uh 
uh, NFL uh, network and, you know, uh, NFL pass and watch every single uh, mm-hmm. football game that I could. But uh, yeah, after I got married, uh, that, that slowly changed, especially when we had, uh, we have two kids now, a little girl and a boy. So uh, things have definitely changed, but, um, you know, the passion never leaves. It's, it's hard to put as much time and effort into it. <laughs> But it's a, it's always going to be a part of my life. I mean, I love sports, um, love talking about it. So definitely try to make uh, an effort to to catch what I can. Yeah, it's kind of the. I mean, even though I don't have any, you know, I don't have any children or anything of that nature. But it's sports is one of those things that you're right, Alex. I at this point in my life, I kind of struggle to keep up with everything. Um, I feel that there's just so much information out there. I'm amazed that I was able to, um, you know, just take in as much as I did when I was younger, because I, I just feel like I remembered every baseball stat, every basketball stat, like I had everything down when I was a kid. And now like 80% of that information is just gone. I don't know where it is anymore, but, um, but you know, it's what happens when you get older, you start to get into other things and that's life, right, Chris? Let's get real. That's why we have smartphones that we read while we're uh, getting ready in the morning. You know what I mean? Where we sit down to brush our teeth and read things on our smartphones, articles of sports. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, and you, you get guys, where you can, right? You guys nailed it. It's hard. The harder you, or the older you get, the harder it gets, right? But um, there's different priorities. But it's a release. It's an escape. Uh, it's something you can can you know take 10, 15 minutes and just. Uh, sometimes we just watch those quick recaps on uh, on our favorite mm-hmm. sports network and and catch what happened that day. Uh, and try to soak it all up the best we can. And the things that we pick out from that that we find the most interesting is maybe where we dig in a little deeper. Um, but it's it's an escape. And, uh, you know, at night when you go to sleep, you dream. And for me, I just have I have dreams of of me just clowning a bunch of busters on the on the on the b-ball court. Me and my goober squad, the busters. Um just, you and Darko running the yeah. running the squad. But see, I just say, give me the ball because I'm the best player on the court. So you know, I, in my dreams, I'm fantastic. Give me the rock. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna mention this real quick, and it's gonna be hard to describe. But I saw this hilarious meme, Peter, over the weekend, where it shows uh, Devin Booker doing that that fadeaway where he's almost parallel the you know to the court, and he has. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, What's his name? Uh, Tucker. I can't remember his first name. PJ. Um, PJ. Yeah, PJ Tucker. It's just kind of like giving him this like, uh, you know, rolling eye look. And the caption below was, you know, when when your buddy's girlfriend comes to watch him play and he starts shooting shots that you've never seen him shoot in his life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I showed it to it's uh, one of my buddies, Lamore and 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 Cosm, and they were like, "Yep, that's that's Chris Page right there." <laughs> that was. Shut up. See Chris Payne, whenever <laughs> one of his girlfriends would come watch him play, he would play out of his mind. <laughs> Start hitting and shooting these abnormally crazy good shots. And and it was only and making when, them. And, and making, making them, them, absolutely. And making them. But it was only when his, his girlfriend would come watch him and, play. And stopping everybody on defense. Don't forget yeah. that part. Yeah. Getting every rebound as short yeah. as I was. <laughs> If you had played at that level consistently, Chris, you would have made the high school basketball team. But that was uh, that. You, you remember that scene in old school where Will Ferrell answers that question, and he's like, "Where oh, I blacked out? Where was I?" Right? That's that's old school. 
that's how that's kind of like what it was like for me because <laughs> it would all be over and i'm like what just happened i think i blocked out i scored 40 points oh cool yeah it was insane but yeah that just had to quickly mention that nice all right guys this is the final question here it's from our regular chapman from the bronx and i think this is a good one you know how when you watch the olympics and all the sprinters are all within milliseconds of each other and it's hard to appreciate how fast they really are since they finish so close together yeah me too i'm proposing that we put in a comparison runner say an Alex or a Peter, for example, who would run next to them just to show you how much faster these athletes really are than your average Joes. I think it's a great idea. Your thoughts? Thanks, Chapman. Appreciate the question. Well, yeah, you know, thanks, Chapman, for the question. Um, I, I would not like to be embarrassed time after time, so I would, I would decline that. But it is, it is tough to appreciate how quick and fast they are because you know we, we normal people just don't run that fast and, and the races really aren't be embarrassed if you're just the pace car <laughs> well i think the main problem here is that and alex i'm going to speak for myself here but i don't know if i'd make it to the end of that sprint <laughs> <laughs> i would make it to the end but I, I mean, time after time. I, I mean, it's not just one race; it's multiple races in in a day. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. It's, it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be tough. But uh, always appreciate the questions, there, Chapman. Thank you. All right, next week on The Hard Cap, we are going to have a special Olympics episode. We are going to talk some Olympics basketball and have some treats thrown in as well. But don't forget, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Hard Cap Cast. And please email us at thehardcappodcast at gmail.com with any questions. And Alex, one more time, give them the trivia question. That way they have it. Which basketball player had the bet had the highest points per game average in an Olympic tournament? All I don't right. want to give I don't want to give too much information there. That's why I'm making it a nice, plain, and simple question. But uh, that's uh, that's what I'm going with. And that's a great question. I look forward to hearing the answer. And for Alex, Chris, and our producer Juzer Cash, my name is Peter. And next week, you'll catch us on the hard cap. Oh, good job, everybody. We did a nice job. Uh, everybody, I think, uh, handled their uh, their business well. And, uh, you know, nobody uh, nobody went uh, pantsless. Uh, <laughs> and we all had uh, normal pants on. And uh, nobody did one of those things where you stand up awkwardly and walk away, but you just have your uh, tidy whities so nice job. I think overall, everybody should probably give themselves a nice little pat on the back and say, uh, you know, next time uh, we're going to do even better. So, uh, you know, really great job, everybody. Uh, re really nice job. Sally, hey, you, you did great. Uh, and don't don't forget to tell Fred thanks for the cookies that he brought. Okay. Great, everybody. All right. Let's have a real nice weekend. And uh, don't forget, next Friday is Donut Day. So, uh Bring your own donuts from home. I'm not bringing them. Ha ha ha.